If you have your Bibles, you want to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Uh, your handout says uh, verses 14 and 15. It's actually 14 through 18, so my secretary this week made a mistake printing that out, but I'm my secretary, so <laughs> that's just an easy way of taking the... <laughs> So how's everyone doing? Good? Good? Well, I hope you're doing good physically, and there's different ways of being good, right? Physically, emotionally. You know, uh, I feel great physically, sometimes emotionally. I have to admit, you know, this season, this last season, six or eight months, whatever it's been, almost nine months, right? With COVID, it's been a little bit emotionally draining. And, uh, you know, if that happens to you, I would encourage you to call up a friend and talk things out or get out your Bible and read a few verses, think about all the wonderful blessings God has given us. And one of the things we'll talk about today is we can rejoice always, right? Because we know the ultimate outcome is that we get to be with Jesus forever. Amen. And so we have that, we always have that to look forward to. So yeah, we'll be looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verses 14 through 18. My dad uh, who I don't speak too much about. He passed away probably 36 years ago or something like that. I was still in my 20s. So, um, you know, I felt like I was just kind of getting to know my dad as an adult, if you know what that means. I mean, you kind of grow up and you know them as your dad. And then maybe sometimes, you know, in your teen years, your dad becomes a little bit more distant because you think you're smarter than he is. And then you go to, in my case, you go to college and you come back and you really realize how smart your dad was and how much he knew. And so we, at, we actually worked together for a while at the same company, Dowell Slumberjay, and uh, then he retired. Uh, but I got to work with him and, and kind of get to start to know him as an adult, one, you know, a friend to a friend. And, and then he was taken away from us, so uh, that, didn't, <laughs> that didn't last very long. But one of the things he used to always do is, uh, he did a lot of things. I'm sure this is some, something not unique to him, but when we get down to the bottom of the ketchup bottle, he didn't just throw it away. He'd put a little water in it, <laughs> shake it around, and get every last drop out of it. And that's kind of what we're doing with the book of First Thessalonians. You know, we're stopping here in chapter 5 where there's, there's a lot of these commandments, and we're just trying to wring everything, all the goodness that we can out of it. And so we're going to be talking about verses 14 through 18. And I was, as I was speaking about my dad, I, I mentioned that he passed away unexpectedly, by the way. I think he was 56. He was only 56, died of a heart attack. Uh, otherwise, you would have thought he was the healthiest person in the world and uh, worked hard, was skinny like my boys, and just the last person you'd ever thought of to have heart disease, although he did like his biscuits and gravy like we all do, right? And his bacon and things like that. So, but we didn't, we didn't really think about him, uh, you know, being sick as what he probably was. And uh, so, yeah, I got to thinking emotional about my dad and I forgot what I was gonna say, but <laughs> uh, no, what I was gonna say is that there's obviously there's times now where I would like to have a conversation with him and like to be able to talk with him just like, you know, I, I did when I was younger and when I was a, a young adult. And uh, I, I kind of miss those, those times of, of talking with him. 
And my dad wasn't a big talker, kind of like me when I'm not in the pulpit, wasn't a big talker. But he always had some kind of project going on. He always had something that he was building. And even though he didn't talk a lot, he communicated a lot about, you know, how, this is how you do stuff. This is how you dig a footer for a, for a foundation. This is how you lay brick. I learned all that stuff from my dad. Uh, and uh, I'd, I'd love to be able to have some of those conversations again. Well, what we're talking about here today is that with the Lord Jesus Christ, we can have those conversations anytime we want. We can have that anytime we want. He wants to be that close to us. And he is that close to us. It's not, it's not he, if you are a Christian, that is distance, that is at a distance anymore. If, if there's a distance, it's because of us. And so let's go ahead and, and read this scripture uh, today. But what we're going to be talking about is that we have a Lord who will never leave us, but who is always with us, that we might reach out and receive counsel from him. And so let's go ahead and read the scripture today. I'm sure you probably turned there by now. And it, it says that, uh, this is, of course, Paul speaking. He's saying, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you care enough for us, that you give us commandments that help us to live together in peace with one another, and that you give us words to encourage us to be all about the mission that you have given us to reach the lost uh, for Christ. And so we ask that you would speak to us today as we go through these commandments Paul has given this church in Thessalonica, that we might learn from them and that we might be a better church and better Christians that will bring honor and glory to your name. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're going to go through these, and, and the first ones uh, obviously are a little bit different than the last three, uh, so we'll spend... Uh, equal amount of times on both of them but eventually we're going to get around to the point where we're talking about how the Lord never leaves us but is with us always that we might reach out and receive counsel from him but first of all Paul has something that he wants to say that's very urgent and we know it's very urgent because he uses that word he says we urge you brothers admonish the idle encourage the faint-hearted help the weak be patient with them all he is He's urgent about this. He wants them to know that these are important things that you need to understand in order that you can live together and work together as the church at Thessalonica. And so he tells them uh, to take action, follow the example of Christ. And, and in one place in my sermon here, I wrote out that he's urging the Thessalonians to be rapture ready. Remember, he's talked already about the rapture. And he's, he's telling them ways here that we can be rapture ready. And the first one is to admonish the idol. There were actually people within the church who weren't doing the work that they were supposed to be doing. Uh, they were not doing the work that they were supposed to be doing. And there's a variety of different reasons of why they might not have been doing this. Some of them, if you remember, had, uh, had wondered if they had missed the rapture. 
Other ones had probably been informed by Paul that they had not missed the rapture and they were just waiting around for the rapture. And so regardless, they were, they were idle or they were not doing the work. And it really, it, it doesn't seem like it improves very much in the second book of Thessalonians because Paul writes this in second Thessalonians. He's still addressing this same issue. He says, for even when we were with you, we would give you this command, if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. So that, that gives us a little bit more of the story, of the background of what's going on here. We have people in the church who they're not doing the, the, the right work. They're kind of probably depending on daily uh, giving out of food by the church, which remember in the book of Acts, they did that. Uh, and the deacons were assigned to help facilitate that. But that's probably going on in this church, except the people could work, they just weren't working. And so, uh, and so he says, you know, if you're not willing to work, let him not eat. I think people probably are surprised that's in the Bible, but it's, it's a true statement. If you are able and capable of working, you should not be depending upon the church for your food, but you should be working so that you can basically feed yourself and your own family. And that doesn't mean that we're never compassionate. We are compassionate, right? We, we understand people fall on hard times. We understand that people uh, always do not have the money to be able to uh, buy the necessary food, and we will gladly you know, purchase food for them in that situation. But, you know, this verse in 2 Th Thessalonians, I, takes, I think takes a little bit, tells us a little bit more of the story. Uh, it's not that they cannot work, it's that they're not willing to work. They are busy, but they are not busy at work, but they are busy bodies. So they are, they're working at, at something within the church, probably stirring up trouble in the church. So, uh, you know, the thing of, thing of this is, is that what we need to learn, and, uh, and I don't, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying this applies to this group, but we need to be busy about the work of the church, amen? We need to make time for work for the kingdom of God, because if we always plan on what time we have left over in our day, we'll, we'll never have that time, right? It takes a conscious effort if you're going to do work and ministry within the church to set apart, set apart that time and make it a priority in your life. Otherwise, it will never get done. And then, uh, I mean, there are people who are genuinely really busy. And uh, so this takes quite an effort sometimes. But Then he says that we are to encourage the faint-hearted. Uh, I did a little bit of investigation. What does faint-hearted mean? Faint-hearted could mean that they are discouraged. There are people within the church who are discouraged. So we need to have our uh, kind of our spiritual eyes about us and be looking for people who may be, uh, you know, a little bit discouraged in their walk with Christ, and they could use a card or they could use an encouraging verse from the Bible. Uh, it could also mean that they are lacking courage or timid. So we are to encourage those who are lacking courage and, and timid. Now, Paul had to do this with Timothy, right? Remember, he wrote this to Timothy. He said, for God gave us not a spirit of uh, timidity, but a spirit of power and love and of self-control. 
And so I think there's always some of us, and I was one of those as well, who's a little bit timid about sharing our faith, maybe a little bit timid of standing up in front of people and speaking. I think all of us can testify to that a little bit. Well, how do we, how do we encourage those kind of people? Uh, we remind them that the disciples in the beginning were not bold either, were they? <laughs> they were not bold, remember? They were in hiding, basically. After Jesus had been crucified, they were basically in hiding. They were in the upper room, uh, away from everyone else. But once the Holy Spirit came upon them, they were very bold. And so we can encourage those who are faint-hearted or maybe lacking courage. Yes, you're afraid, but the Holy Spirit can make you bold. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that we are not kind of trapped into the mold that we think that we are in. We think that we were born a certain way and we cannot change, but I think the Holy Spirit can change us and can empower us. We have been given the Holy Spirit. If you are a born-again believer here today, you have the Holy Spirit given to you by God for a lot of different reasons. He, he is the one who makes you secure in Christ. He is the one who is the deposit, guaranteeing that we will receive salvation. But he has also been given to you that you can fulfill all of these commandments that God has given us. And so it's not by our power, but it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. So how do we encourage the faint-hearted? We ask them to trust in the Holy Spirit. Trust him to increase your faith. He can do that, right? Faith is a gift given to us by God. And the disciples once asked Jesus, will you increase our faith? And he will do that if you ask that. So we are to encourage the faint-hearted. We are to admonish the idle. And then we are to help the weak. Literally, this can mean be devoted to the weak or the sick. Be devoted to the weak or the sick. So obviously, how can we help those who are weak or sick? We pray for them, right? We can pray for them. We can make sure they... If they are sick, they can get the right medical care. It may be as simple as wearing a mask for them, right? So we have, at some times, we are in a group like this where we have younger people, folks who are less susceptible to any disease, right, normally. And then we have older people who are more susceptible. And wearing a mask can be a good way to show that we love them and to help them. And it's by far by far means not the only way at, at all, but we are to uh, help the weak. Then we are to be kind of a lump sum. He says we are to be patient with them all. And I think what Paul means about that is that not everyone grows at the same spiritual rate, right? Not everyone should we expect to be at the level we expect them to be at, but we need to be patient with them. If there is someone who is idle, we need to be patient with them. We need to instruct them what the scripture says, that it is good for us to work and to make our own way. And so, uh, you know, we need to be patient with them as they come along. Not everyone responds in the same way or with the spe same speed that we would like them to be. Does that kind of make sense? You know, everyone's different. So we need to be mindful of that. Okay, moving along to verse number 15. Do not repay evil with evil, but always seek to do good 
to one another and to everyone. I think our culture has lost sight of this verse. Our, our nation has lost sight of this verse. And also the verses that Jesus speaks of, of turning the other cheek. Get hit, hit back harder. That's what the world says, right? Get, if you get hit, hit back harder. It seems to be what we're living in right now. How's that working out for us? It's not working out very well. And I understand there is a time politically to take a stand, but we should be able to do that in peace and love and with strength. I think we're stronger when we're a more loving people. Take, for example, in 1950s, there were several missionaries to Ecuador that went down to minister to the Aka Indians. Their names were Nate Say, Jim Elliott, Ed McCauley, Pete Fleming, Roger Udarian. They went down, as I said, to minister and to reach uh, what I call the Aka Indians. There are several different names for them. They can be called the Harani Indians. They can, can be called the Wadani. But they were called the Aka Indians by those around them because they were known as a savage tribe. They were very savage. They would, what they, what they really loved to do was to gain someone's trust and then kill them. And they would do that to other tribes down in Ecuador. They would go into the village, they would, they would pretend like they're making friends and just kill them for no reason other than the satisfaction of killing them. Well, this group of five men and their wives decided that they would go down and try to, they, they felt called to reach the Aka Indians. And it was very ingenious how they planned on doing this. I mean, I'm gonna tell the abbreviated story, but there was a lot of preparation that went into this. First of all, they thought we've got to try to make some kind of contact with them. So they would fly over with an airplane and the, and the natives could see them up above. They would wave and they'd wave back. Then Nate Saint, he, who was the pilot, he devised this method where he found out if they lowered a bucket from the plane and flew in a circle, that bucket would stay in one spot. And so they could lower different kind of gifts down to the natives. And the natives just ate it up. You know, they just loved the idea of getting all these presents. And eventually, they would leave the bucket down there, and the natives would put stuff in, and they could raise it back up. And so they thought, all is going well. All is going well. well. We're, we're ready to land this plane on this beach and meet the Indians. And so they landed the plane, I think it was on a Tuesday, and uh, uh, I think they stayed that long until Saturday was the first time that any of the natives came out. And I think it was a woman who came out first. And then she quickly left. And then on Sunday, several of the, of the native men came out. And they had spears. And uh, actually, in, in the, there's a movie about this. Nate Sate's uh, son asked them, what will you do if they try to attack you? And what he said is very telling. He said, and this is the whole point of the story, Nate Sate said this about the end of the, of the Wadani. He said, we can't shoot the Wadani, son. They're not ready for heaven. We are. We, I mean, we... I think as a nation and even many of our churches have lost that 
attitude of giving up ourselves and our rights for the salvation of others. Basically what Nate was saying, was saying is that if they die now, they're going to hell. We're going to heaven, so we're willing to sacrifice our life for them. And I think that is an admirable attitude to have. And you might ask, well, what happened to the missionaries? Well, they were all speared to death. Sadly, on that Palm Sunday, uh, they were all speared to death. But that left the wives, right? And I'm sure you guys know the rest of the story. What, what did they do? Did they hit back harder? They, you know, they hit us, we're going to hit back harder. No, they went to the same natives and eventually reached that tribe for Christ. So Elizabeth Elliot, uh, Rachel Saint, they, they both went back and taught them the language, taught them the Bible, and they came to know Christ. And a whole generation of missionaries learned about that story and are now serving in the mission field. Now, that's, that's why there was such a great mission impetus in the 50s, 60s, 70s. And so we need, to, you know, we need to learn this verse over again. Do not repay evil with evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. So we're, we're to do good not only to our brothers and sisters in Christ, but to everyone. Now, I will say I, I believe in the right to defend ourselves. <laughs> I, I believe we have a right to defend ourselves. But I, I do not agree with the attitude that almost relishes in the idea that I'm going to protect myself and... I have that right. I think if we if we had to if we had to for some reason defend ourselves and I think I think it should just bring tears to our eyes, not joy, <laughs> not joy. We need to learn this again. Do not repay evil with evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Amen. And so it leaves us with these three last verses. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So we got, you know, maybe, you're, maybe someone reads this and their first impression is, oh, thanks. You know, thanks for giving us these impossible commands. Uh, how in the world am I ever going to be obedient to these commands? It says to rejoice always. It says to pray without ceasing. Is that even possible? And it says, give thanks in all circumstances. That doesn't seem uh, like I could even do that. But then it says this, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for us. My ears perk up when I hear that. Whenever I see this is the will of God, I hope your ears perk up because whatever he commands us to do, he is going to empower us to do, right? He will empower us to do this. And so it seems like an impossibility. How can we rejoice always? How can we always have a sense of joy in our life? Well, the answer is, is that we mentioned it earlier. We are on the pathway to heaven. Amen. If you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are on the path to heaven. You are on the path that will will not be diverted from and you are secure in Christ and according to Nehemiah 8:10 the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so we are so enthralled with Jesus Christ 
we are so sure of our salvation, not because of our works, but because of what Christ has done for us, that we have the ability to always rejoice. And so joy, unlike happiness, is not conditional upon our conditions, right? I mean, happiness changes. I'm not necessarily happy uh, about the riots in Portland. You know, God doesn't say I need to be happy about the riots in Portland. But even though there have been riots in Portland, I can have joy in my Christian life because it goes deeper than that. It goes all the way to my salvation and that I have been saved. And so we can, we can, I believe, rejoice always. It's because our joy comes from knowing the Lord and knowing that he is always for us. And he is always there with us, right? I mean, the name of this sermon is Jesus is with us always. And so that's why we can rejoice always as well. Jesus is always there with us. His Holy Spirit is always there with us, uh, comforting us, encouraging us all the way. I wrote down here, recognize and acknowledge now that your joy is based on your everlasting relationship with your loving Savior who will never leave you nor forsake you. That's why we can rejoice always. But then he says we are to pray without ceasing. We are to have, I would say this means we are to have an attitude of prayer all the days, all, all, the, all during the day. So obviously, we cannot be sitting with our hands folded and our knees bent in prayer all day long. We would never get anything done. That is one type of prayer, you know. We need, we need to do that. We need to ex spend extended time in prayer. But I, what I think is even better is that we can pray all the day long if we have an attitude of prayer. If we have an attitude of going to the Lord whenever something comes up and asking for his counsel. This is what I think James, we had this in our James study uh, Wednesday night, I think he, James warns against this and he shows kind of the opposite attitude. And he says in James 4, 4, 13 through 17, he says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow we'll go into such and such a town to spend a year there and trade and get gain. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and we'll do this or that. And that last verse, I think, is that attitude of prayer. We ought to be saying, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this and or that. We should not go throughout our whole day and never consider what the Lord might be saying to us, right? So we don't necessarily have our Bible, but say, for instance, we go into Walmart and we're tempted to buy something. Maybe we have a need for it. Maybe we don't. Do we ever stop and think or to ask the Lord, is this something that you would have me buy? Is this something that I need or is this just something that I want for the moment? And that's what I mean by having an attitude of prayer all day long. Remember, Jesus is with you all day long. If you think of this commandment as a rule to obey, you will fail at this every time. This is not a rule to obey. This is a relationship issue whereby you realize 
that Jesus is with you all day long. You can experience relationship with him all day long. It doesn't have to be just in the morning when you have your quiet time. It doesn't have to just be in Sunday school or in worship service, but it can be all day long. And I think that's what many of us miss out on is that relationship that we can have all day long. Finally, he says, give thanks in all circumstances. Recognize, I think in order to do this, you have to recognize the sovereignty of God in all things. Everything that happens to you as a Christian happens for a reason and for your good. That's the promise of Romans 8, 28, right? We know in all things God works for good with those who love him or are called according to his purpose. That's why we can give thanks in all circumstances. We should be thankful, first of all, that we have been spared eternal destruction, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which is a gift to us. It's not something we earn. We know that each and every one of us in here deserves that eternal destruction, but we have been spared by that. And believe that nothing that happens to you as a believer in Christ is not for your good. It is for your good, even the difficult times that we go through. And so in, in closing this sermon today, we are to rejoice. Jesus is with us always. That way we can rejoice through any situation. We can go to him in prayer in any situation, and we can be thankful that he is working good in every situation. How could we, after hearing this, not want to spend more time with Jesus? <laughs> we, we want to spend more time with Jesus, right? And we're all busy, and so we think about a quiet time. We think about, well, do I need to extend my quiet time, or do I need to start a quiet time? And, and if you don't have a quiet time, you do need to start a quiet time. But that's not the only time you can have relationship with Jesus Christ. Through his Holy Spirit, through these promises, we can have a relationship and experience with him all day long if we just have that mental attitude of prayer. So good news, right? Good news. If you happen to be here tonight, today and you're not a Christian, then I would like to offer, make that offer to you this morning. And what it means to be a Christian really is just to recognize that I have sinned against God and we have all done that one way or another. So it's not a question of whether you have done that or not. We could go down through the Ten Commandments like they do many times. And, and most of us have at one time or another lied or maybe we've dishonored our father or mother. We talked about that growing up. Those are all sins against God. So it's not as though we have not sinned. But we, we know that God is also that we have sinned, but we also know that God is holy and he is without sin. And so that, that presents a problem. That presents a barrier for us in having a relationship with God and that barrier is our sin. Something has to be done about our sin in order for us to have a relationship with God. And what can we do? Can we just do better? You know, that's what a lot of people will say. Well, I just need to do better. I need to start going to church. I need to start praying. I need to start giving to the church. All those things are good but they cannot make up for our sin, right? They cannot pay for our sin. So it's not something we've done, but it's what God has done for us, right? He sent his only son to be born as a baby, to grow up as a man and to live this life just like we did, except that he'd never sinned. He never sinned. He was the righteous one 
who could go to the cross and take our sin upon himself and pay the penalty for our sin. And he did that in such a way that those who believe and trust in him can have eternal life. And we know we can have eternal life because Jesus rose from the dead and has eternal life. And so when you believe and trust in Christ, it's like Jesus is here and we're here. The sin barrier has been taken care of and we are forever joined with him. And wherever he goes, we go. If he goes to heaven, we are going to go to heaven because we are tied by faith to him. And this is all a gift from God. And so he says, offer this to people. And that's what we do today. We offer it to you. And if you've never made that decision, uh, you can make that decision today. And we would love to help you with that. We're going to have a, a time of prayer, time of reflection where we can think about what it means uh, to pray without ceasing, to rejoice always, and give thanks in all circumstances. And then we're also going to have a time where if, you, if God is leading you, and I know he's leading you, so that's not a question, right? <laughs> he is leading you to be saved. Uh, but will you be obedient to that? And so as we go to that, let's stop and, and pray before we do that. Father, we thank so much for this time. We thank you for the opportunity we've had to see just how close of a relationship you want us to have. You want us to have a 24-7 relationship, not a Sunday morning relationship, not a quiet time kind of relationship, as good as those things are, but you want us to have a 24-7 relationship. So help us to be mindful that you are with us wherever we go, that you will are with us and that you will never leave us, leave us nor forsake us. And help us to be thankful for that. And I pray also for anyone who might not know Christ that today would be the day they give their life to Christ. And we as a church would certainly rejoice with them. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen.